Welcome to podcast 126 from Wiggly Wigglers. We're actually on tour this week. We've gone on a mega trip off. But in the meantime, I am Heather from Wiggly Wigglers and I'm joined today by... Farmer Phil. No, Ricardo. Ricardo is off hobnobbing it with the presenter from Blue Peter or some such. He's at the Three Counties Showground and he's talking to lots of schools about eco-gardening and wildlife and... I expect he's got up to his elbows in worms by now. But we have travelled. We've got in the Wiggly Mobile and we are at Michael and Mary's studio. Mary is busy in the other room and she's making up all the labels for the new Wiggly products. So I'm sat here with Salad Blue 1900 1 Kilo, which is a spud. (laughs) (laughs) But today we're going to solve a Heather mystery. You know how it is for me. I don't necessarily know all about this growing stuff. And I tend to get in a muddle. So last weekend, I really wanted to plant up some salad leaves. Because when you go to Waitrose, I don't know if you've ever bought them in a packet, but they're really expensive. You open up the plastic and they go off really quickly. And what's the excuse when we're on a farm, we could grow our own? I go to the veggie patch and they're not ready yet. And I think, no, I want to do it myself. But then I think... I should use my own worm compost. Then I think, if I use my own worm compost, I have to mix it up. If I mix it up, do I use a wooden seed tray? How would I know how much water to put on it? So I go and get the Charles Dowding book on salad leaves, and I start reading that, and of course that means that I never get round to actually planting the salad leaves. So we'll hear about that. Farmer Phil, do you know anything about planting salad leaves? Not a lot, other than the fact that I've seen some interesting-looking trays appear on the windowsill. Don't give it away. I might not have succeeded. Now they'll know. I've done it. You've only got two chances, haven't you? <laughs> It'll either grow or not. We're also going to find out about ELS and set-aside and why the cattle are happy and why they were particularly happy last month. But in the meantime, let's have a Montes farm cast. They're corking the ears. They are absolutely corking. Monty Cast, a weekly fact on farming. There are more than a billion cattle in the world, about 200 million in India. Another Monty Cast, a weekly fact on farming, next week. Thank you, Monty. Farmer Phil, you've got a letter in, haven't you? I have. This, <laughs> I was An wondering, email. I was wondering when some of these had come. Anyway, this is from Sue Roberts. I don't actually know where Sue is from, but anyway, here we go. Dear team, I wasn't sure where to send this email, but we would be grateful if you would pass it on to Heather or after the How Dare You podcast, you may want to... How dare you? (laughs) You may want to pass it to Richard as ammunition. How very dare you? I definitely wouldn't give Richard any ammunition, but anyway. When the new catalogue came through, I excitedly looked for the goat socks. Heather had done such a good selling job on the podcast, since I spend a lot of my time in wellies, but tumbled dryers... Now, does this mean that they take so long to dry that Heather had to try to dry them in a tumble dryer? I don't have a tumble dryer. Of course not. Of course, you turn the page after the goat socks and we're on to eco-gadgets. Hmm. (laughs) Then we have the next How Dare You podcast. How dare you! Seriously, though, I'd like to know how quick slow drying they are. Do love the podcast and look forward to hearing more from Rachel. I think she means Rachel Harris on on that thing, given the subject matter. (laughs) Well, anyway, Sue, I'm pleased to tell you that I am obviously an expert with the uh, washing department, and because goat socks are natural fibres, 
they are quite quick to dry. The reason that we use a tumble dryer from time to time is that we have approaching 40 inches of rain a year, which means that for a number of days the other option isn't much of one in as much that they come in wetter than when they went out. We have got a drying rack. We have got a drying rack, but of course we're not the sort to waste energy on an arger. Have you got an arger, Sue? Because they are awful. Anyway, I'm going to take my boot off. Listen, everyone. To reveal the goat sock... And the great thing is that you've given me another opportunity to sell them. <laughs> <laughs> and the key thing about goat socks are, if you've got sweaty feet, that makes the goat sock wet. But because it's hair, not wool, it dries out really quickly. So let's just wheel over to Farmer Phil and he can feel the foot. Not pleasant to feel, <laughs> but I have to say not malodorous in any way. But for my part, goat socks and Heather, the key thing is that she loves them so much that she doesn't steal mine. (laughs) You haven't got any goat socks. Well, not at the moment, but I will have when I've worn out my current set of socks. There is history here, of course, because Heather has been known to cut up perfectly good socks for reasons I don't understand. Moving on. Uh, (laughs) Goat socks are corking. There's no way you can get away from it. They're absolutely amazing. And it's so good that today is the most beautiful day, and I got up and I thought, should I wear my short trousers with Crocs, or should I stick to goat socks and boots? And I did stick to goat socks and boots. The power of radio. You could almost smell that foot. Anyway, let's go on, because I want to know why last month the cattle were so happy. Why, in March, were the cattle happy? Well, here in Herefordshire, and this doesn't go for the rest of the world or necessarily the rest of the country, but anyway, here in Herefordshire we've had a relatively stable, cold, dry month, and for the cattle those conditions are absolutely fantastic. So there's no disease, the calves are healthy, the cows are healthy, and basically they don't get too hot. Yes, but the thing is, if they like it cold, which would make sense because they seem to have got a very good coat Why do you put them in a shed? Well, because normally we would expect the winter months to be much wetter. That's why I say that it's unusual to have a dry month and it's cold and been somewhat frosty, which is great. You have to be careful. It is a balance. It's it's a case of whether you turn them out in the mud and ruin the field and risk them suffering because they can't get into the dry, or you have them inside and they get too warm. Unfortunately, the same doesn't go for the Wiggly catalogue. You know, when we dreamt that when we would send the catalogue, we decided it would be Easter, and we discussed what would happen if it was raining. Well, it was snowing, so I'm not sure whether or not (laughs) that was the best time to send the catalogue, but hopefully you're going to keep hold of it, dear listener. Let's go and listen to yesterday's recording when Richard and I got together with some seeds, some compost, and a big watering can in the kitchen. I did fall over it, sorry. Right, a Heather mystery is going to be cleared up today. One which caused a little grin from Ricardo, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah, not as much as watching The Wizard of Oz last weekend. (laughs) Why do you mean that, Rich? Oh, that's funny. Especially the way you just spoke to me in front of that Guardian photographer that just came in. (laughs) When we mentioned that you you had a a leading role. (laughs) 
<laughs> in the Wizard in of Oz. In the Wizard of Oz, yeah. Is this because of my yeah. hair, dude? Yeah, yeah. The dye is kindly. Yeah, no, she wasn't impressed, was she, with my comments about you looking like the lion in the Wizard of Oz. She wasn't. So, Sorry, dye. Yeah, shame. Sorry, dye. You know, there's it's no reflection of your hairdressing abilities. <laughs> I, I, was, I was purely abusing Heather, not, not, not your skills. <laughs> anyway, so, dye, yeah. I'd like it straightened and <laughs> in a bob, like Jean Brody. Oh, really? <laughs> I've had too much stick now. Please die, cut my hair. Anyway, Rich, here is a Heather mystery. Yeah. And that is, I really fancy growing my own salad leaves. Yeah. And I should know exactly how to do it. Yeah. But I haven't got the confidence to go and do it, so I get the salad book and I get muddled up in it, which is the best way. Right. How to do it. Yeah. How long is it going to take? I think sometimes, you know, when you read books, everything becomes so much more complicated, or it seems to be more complicated than it is, because actually, you know, growing stuff is, is invariably a piece of cake. Is it, It's though? really quite that easy, yeah. Because I mean, if we look more over here at others. my dead herbs... Yeah, well, it's, if we just need a bit of water. And <laughs> 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 well, that parsley's wilted purely because, you know, it's a bit thirsty. <laughs> So water is key. Plants do need water. Like, you see your cactuses. They're or, going well. Or cacti, should I say. They're thriving. They, they like their arid orange household. But the other things, you know, the sage and the thyme and the parsley and the oregano and everything else that's dead in the windowsill <laughs> needs water. Okay. Yeah, so, so I don't, don't rate your sprouts doing it all well because they definitely need watering twice a day <laughs> which is why there are no sprouts in the sprouter, I suppose. The sprouter does look nice, though. It looks apart, but, you know. Yeah, a bit, of, a bit of aqua squirted on there a couple of times today. Does the trick. So anyway, yeah, okay. we're, we're going to start. Of course, you don't want the teacher to be sarcastic no, no, not with at a all. pupil, no, do you? No, no, no. So okay, here we are then. What? So we've got these ace uh, seed trays. These are our you know, wigglet seed trays, which are quite smart. I mean, they're wooden ones. I mean, at home, say if I wasn't using this, just a normal flat plastic seed tray. And I put these two in a waterproof container because what we'll do is put the compost in here and then water it so you need something underneath to contain the water. So what I use at home you know is old paint you know that you put paint roller paint roller trays you know oh, those yeah. kind of things because they've got matted in paint over the years and you get loads because you know if you're doing DIY then Sarah goes out and buys a new one every time so I, yeah I do that you know, I just keep them <laughs> so I've got loads so I keep because they're great size they're just about the right size for these seed trays what do you do with the roller then the rollers well they tend to perish don't they oh, they don't last long you know, you know they dry up and uh, you know they don't, you could, they're not reusable unfortunately but so that's what I use and then um, and that, so that works a treat so I put these two in here and what we do is we'll find a knife first in the kitchen. Now these, uh, that looks quite nice. The new open on knife. Nice. <laughs> it's very nice. nice yeah. yeah, it is very nice. Yeah. Do you know I saw Roy at Cowpats. Now you all know that we've got our community access point. He rushed up to me. Well, he didn't rush because Roy's eighty something. Right. But he came up to me and he said, "Heather, your new catalogue is fantastic." I said, "Why is that, Roy?" He said. It's got Ockenel knives in it. He said, really? I've had an Ockenel knife for years and years. Since the, uh, he said, dot. here it is. And he brought it out of his pocket and showed me. Yeah. And he said, I'm coming up to get another one. Oh, fantastic. They are good. They are good. Well, we sold out, haven't we? We had to just buy a load more stocking. Yeah, number really seven popular. and number ten. Oh, You've got a bit of was, compost in my I, tea. I have. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good stuff. It's kind of, this compost has been treated, so... Uh, 
It's made from, um, this is a, a, um, a number one, a genie number one. We sell this now because we've changed our compost supplier, so we sell this. And we tried some of this, Jodie and I, and it's fantastic stuff. I start a load of onions and I've started tomatoes and things What's like that. What's a number one mean then? Well, it just means it's a grade. So there's one, two, three grades, and you get it multi-purpose as well. So the number one is the finer. So it's been graded to be the finest compost. So this is a great compost to start seedlings off in. But listen, Rich, mm. if I was on my own on a Saturday puzzling yeah. over this... yeah. The reason that I would never start is yeah. because I would start to feel so bad about not At using my worm compost. Oh, okay. And so then I would think about mixing my compost, and then I would think about I haven't yeah. got any sand, and then I would think about this and that and the other well, until I wouldn't do anything. Okay. <laughs> well, a worm compost, you know what Terry Walton did this year? He used a load of his worm because it's fantastic just to mix with either a little bit of this or with some soil or some leaf litter, some well-watered leaf litter. And you probably use one part worm cast, worm compost, to three parts of this or leaf litter or soil. Right. And it's really, really good stuff. I mean, it sends these broad beans, it sends them into oblivion this year because he's used that. It's really, it's really accelerated their growth. So it's fantastic stuff. So you can do that. Um, but for the sake of ease, and yeah. because we're keeping all our lovely worm compost for up-and-coming demonstrations. Yeah. <laughs> well, we I normally to, put it on uh, top of... You know what I do with it? I put it on the raised beds and I just sprinkle right. it out there. Yeah, yeah. Because... It's a good thing to do, actually. Is it? That's why, the, that's why your vegetables are so good in your raised beds. Yeah. Yeah. This is but, for beginners, then. So this is, this is a kind don't of... Don't feel this bad. Is a really straightforward way of doing it. Okay. So you just split your bag open and you get your lovely handfuls of this stuff. So it's great to think that this was, uh, of course, a bit like the worm compost. You know, your own worm compost is your own tea bags and peelings and things. And exactly, this is from made from people's household waste. So it's collected by the binman. Is it? Off, yeah. And then it's kind of heat treated. No, it's really good stuff. It smells lovely and earthy, doesn't it? So you kind of scroll yeah. it out in there. It's dead simple. And uh, like that in your seed tray. So we've got I, two seed trays. Yeah, we've got two seed trays purely because of space. I'm thinking of your space because you want to put this in your windowsill, don't you? Yeah. To start them off. Really, the space you've got available to you will determine how many I seed see. trays you can okay. have. So, we so you're tamping it down. Now, in fact, we do sell lovely little pot tampers, don't we? Which we'll use actually when we're planting on our seedlings. But for the purposes of today's exercise i'll just use the back of my hand now why are you doing that because i thought that compost needed lots of air in it yeah it does need lots of air but it will have lots of air anyway because i can i'm only i'm only tamping it down so it's relatively firm because seeds like a firmed base they don't like, like apple it crumble too loose. same amount of yeah tamping yeah, I as guess, crumble. depending on your depending on whose apple crumble it is i suppose but yours yeah probably quite hard yeah yeah quite tough <laughs> Hey, Rachel's no, cake was lovely, wasn't it? Really. Rachel's cake was stunning, actually. Yeah. I'm well chuffed with Rachel's cake. It's going to be my turn to make a cake soon. Isn't I think it, it is, really. So we'll do that in that one, and then we'll do exactly the same in this other one. I mean, we're doing this on the kitchen table. You can do it outside, but it's it's kind of nice to do it indoors because the wind's blowing, and it's if you've got the luxury of a reasonable sized kitchen table, you can put some old newspaper sheets. So I'm spreading it back out into all the corners of the tray, getting it level using my so little rotating fingers. How many fingers. inches? Well, we've how, got how, how, how much? These seed trays are what two and a half inches deep. How would I know how much depth my plant needs? Generally speaking, most seedlings you start off in, in seed trays or plugs or something like that, and they're only ever going to be a couple of inches deep. Because what you tend to do is you start them off in shallow compost and then you transplant them. And that's exactly what we'll do with these lettuces. These guys are cut and come again. So ideal for growing in the house because, of course, you can keep going to them. And they do need water. That is the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to have to you. mend your waterless ways. 
So cut and come again. Cut and come again. Means I chop them off. Yeah, so you chop the chop the outside leaves, like you do um, chard or perpetual spinach, something like that. The the red salad bowl and the green salad bowl that we're going to use here, and the saladini, they're all the, all the same thing, a mix of leaves and endives and stuff like that. That's all cut and come again. So you quite literally keep cutting the outside leaves, and it keeps coming up from the middle all the time. So right. It's fantastic stuff. So it's mineral-rich salad for probably four months, something like that, even longer, possibly. Here's another Heather mystery, then. Mm. So I've got two small seed trays. They're about, I don't know, eight inches wide yeah. by maybe 13 inches long. Mm-hmm. And if I buy a bag of salad leaves in <clears throat> Waitrose, yeah. I think it's about £1.49 for a small bag. Yeah. How much salads am I going to have here for Farmer Phil's tea, A do you lot reckon? more than you'll need. Right, so, so is this an, an economic so process? Very economical, yeah, absolutely. I mean, growing vegetables, and actually it's going more and more economical, you know. Those salad bags are very expensive. Yeah. And the, the crap they spray on that, on that, on those leaves, you know, and then they kind of insulate Not them in those bags. Not a waitress, farmer. Yeah. Surely. Well they, they, the way they, the way they pack, they have to, because there's various contaminants put in there in order to keep those leaves in tip-top condition. Because as soon right. as you crack them open, they deteriorate. They do. Within hours, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, yeah, dozzy stuff. So, anyway, what should we have? The red salad bowl first. Fancy that, so yeah. we just rip that little thing open there. And then inside is a lovely little pack of seeds. How do you know that these are going to germinate? Because I heard Terry on his podcast. What's it called? Uh, what is it called? I, I don't know. I think it's just called The Allotment with Terry or something like that. A Terry Walton's Allotment. I should know this, shouldn't I? <laughs> Who knows? Well, Richard know. stars on it's it quite, every yeah. month. Yeah, anyway, so. he said yeah, that he would only buy seeds from somebody or other. I think it was Sutton's, yeah. which I was particularly peeved about. No, but it's because he's, a, because he's an old codger and he's just got set in his ways. <laughs> So, but the thing is, though, Rich, no, how I do we know? <laughs> <laughs> but how would it, we know that these are okay? Well, we know these are okay because we know when these were packed. We know Pippa has packed these at the latter part of last year when her salads were going to seed because she grows these on her plot in England and they're packaged and they're contained and stored in such a way that the uh, the seed it has wonderful integrity. Right. So we know that absolutely. See, and we does kept dive, them cold. Kept, yeah, we? we keep them in a cold store. Mm. We keep them in a dry situation in a cold store, so we know they're absolutely fine. So what I'm going to do now is take these little seeds out, which I suppose look a little bit like fenugreek seeds or something like that, don't they? Don't know. I guess. Well, kind of. And then I'm just quite literally sprinkling them around in this seed. There's no real science here, but I'm putting them far enough apart because it, the, the luxury of, um, of lettuces is they're so easy to transplant. You can transplant them and disturb the roots ridiculously and they'll still be absolutely fine. As so, long wait as a minute, water. you mean I'm not going to be harvesting from these trays? Yeah, no, you won't be harvesting from Why these trays. Why not then? Because within these trays there'll be hundreds of plants. So, right. we, so we'll, have to, uh, we'll have to transplant. And also the medium isn't deep enough for a mature root. Right, okay. So this is only going to sustain the seedlings. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because what we're going to do is we'll start them off in here. We'll put a little layer of compost over the top of these just now. Okay. In a minute. So how many are you... I mean, it's just a rough, isn't it? It is kind of... Well, that's the beauty of gardening, really. I mean, I think it's a shame to uh, make it too scientific because... You know, it spoils the earthiness of the whole process. I reckon that you've sowed 100 seeds in there. Yeah, it's got to be at least. Well, if you look in that corner there, was there 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10? Crikey, there's probably, well, there's 10 there, so at least 150 yep. little plants in there. So okay. that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. And we'll do exactly the same thing with our green salad bowl on the other side. Now, I know it's now beginning of April. 
So is that too late to do this then? No, no, it's absolutely fine. Um, I mean, we possibly we could have done this a little bit earlier. I mean, you'd have to do it. You, you sow and start things off in the house, and then you know you can transfer it to uh, to a greenhouse. And um, I mean, Terry, for instance, starts off a lot of his stuff, and he's but he's got a heated greenhouse. He's got a little paraffin heater in the. In the I know. I heard all about it. it. Right, right. So yeah. And the airing cupboard. Yeah, yeah. He leads. Well, he's, he's he's so into it, isn't he? Most green fingered Welshman that ever was. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just doing exactly the same thing over here, spreading these little guys out. And I, I, I can almost guarantee that practically every single one of these will germinate. Right, well, I've remembered there's three in that corner there. Yeah, there are. So, so can, I'll look for those. I mean, you don't really need to worry about lettuces too much, but, you know, you can quite literally, the roots will bind together, and you can quite literally pull them apart, tease the roots apart before you transplant them, which we will do at some stage. How long will these take to grow then? You should start to germinate within seven to ten days. Right. So not long at all, really. And then within the warm, it's got to be, what, 60, 70 degrees in this room, I reckon? Something yeah, but like I that. was going to put them in the dining so room where there's Is it going to be less, even warmer? Less. Oh, less. Yeah. Well, I put, put uh, them in the sun? Still about, yeah, they like it in the sun. It's nice. It just warms the soil. And what we'll also do is we'll put a big plastic bag, a clear plastic bag over this. We'll try and find one knocking around here when you've used before. Right. And we'll put that over there. And that adds extra warmth. So it's a bit like a greenhouse situation, really. So you get more heat radiating on, onto the lovely compost underneath. So that encourages germination as well. The Could tomatoes. Do it with like, a piece of glass, then. A piece of glass would be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't got one. No, no. Well, the piece of glass, I mean, you know, it's a bit dodgy when you've got Labradors and dogs and uh, Labradors and dogs, Labradors and cats and little Monties and he's knocking around the house. Yeah. So, so we'll, you know, we'll steer clear of glass and you know, Okay. <laughs> okay. So should so, we add so, the compost? So should I let Toast in? Yeah, Toast wants to come in. Yeah. Here we go. Come on, dogs. Okay, so you're going to add some extra compost. So what I'm doing now no is... No water yet, then. Not yet, not yet. No. So I'm just literally sprinkling the compost lightly over the top. So, okay. So literally just a couple of mils over the top of the seeds, like so. People often think that they need to bury seeds deeply, but of course if you think about it, in nature, really seeds disperse, land on the ground, get a little bit of covering of, of leaf litter and they just germinate. So it's a, it's a misconception to put seeds deeply. You can put seeds too deeply. When you're planting big seed, like broad beans and whatnot, it's worth planting them deep enough so as they don't push themselves out of the ground when they shit. But when they speaking, what? Shit, you know, when they um, shoot, when the little shoots appear. Shit. Shitting. So, so I've literally tapped that down with my hand again. Do you like that yep. pattern? Very nice. And just uh, like my crumble. Yeah. Farmer Phil like always crumble. says to me, why is there all this handprints in the crumble head? It's because you're a creative soul. <laughs> you like to put your mark on your, on your food. <laughs> <laughs> right, so there you go. So I've kind of tapped that down again with my hands. Left no water. No water just yet. Right. So I'll move this. I mean, normally what I would do is take it outside to water. But yep. Because we can do it inside and it's your kitchen table. Oh, I don't mind. So oh, it. no. <laughs> Massive watering so, uh, can yeah, has yeah, come but, into so the kitchen. New oh, water no. Now, this is an interesting one. You know the, the rose on here? On if the you, end of the spout? Yeah, when, when on the end of the spout, it was, it's, it's facing down at the moment. It's never a good idea to water with the rose facing down because it tends to gush out and then you saturate and erode a lot of your planting medium, your sown medium. So it turned the rose facing skywards like that. Handy hint. Yeah, so it's a good thing to do. I don't know why. Oh! Oh! Then you, hey, <laughs> you have your little spunkles. <laughs> Good and that, lord. That newspaper's super absorbative. And that's gone in your tea now. Yeah, that's nice. I've got a bit of pond water in my tea. Okay. <laughs> that's the flavour. So I'm giving it a good soak anyway because, you know. How do you know how much? Well, again, it's a kind of just a feeling, really. Right. So, uh, I mean, I tend to saturate it, but yeah. I, and then you don't do anything with it then. 
you just leave it. So, and when you put the bag over the top, when you put your plastic bag over the top, your compost doesn't dry out quickly in the same way that it would if it's left uncovered. So you can quite literally now cover this in a bag and leave it until the seedlings appear. Okay, so we'll get our bag and we'll put the bag over top, put it in the window, and then I do nothing for seven days. Nope. And then once they are how big? Once they're, well, usually when they got their second, possibly even third leaves, I reckon we'll probably transplant them when they get to about um, three or four inches tall. Okay, and then what are we going to do with them then? And then we'll transplant each little individual plant into a pot of its own. So into it's a clay like pot. Our lovely little terracotta Ooh, clay pots. Yeah, great. Yeah. Excellent. So, superb. Thanks, Rich, for that handy little Yeah, lesson. no worries. So you don't know for next yeah. time, don't you? Now, I've got a little treat for you. Oh. I'm going to the fridge. Here we go. Very smart fridge. Do you like yoghurt? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> oh, uh, the water, <laughs> <laughs> just yet. <laughs> Oh, wow, yeah, the yoghurt, because we've been talking about this. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's an interesting consistency. There you are. Is it nice? I've is made nice this yoghurt in the yoghurt maker. Mm. That's really nice, isn't it? I think it's That's nice. That's really nice, yeah, I like that. Yeah, mm. it's got um, semi-skim milk. There's a compost in it, aren't there? And just a little bit of Jersey cream. Really? Yeah. That's really tasty, you know. Yeah, you can have that. Really? Mm. Oh, excellent. That's... Enjoy yourself. <laughs> Yogurt and compost. Mm. God, look at those little black bits in That's there. That's really good for you. Yeah. No, I don't mind those black bits at all. <laughs> so earthy. <laughs> so you were not. So there they are. They're on our windowsill. We shall watch with interest. Now then, taters. Spudleys. Potatoes. Pommes de terre. Apples of the soil. <laughs> Have we run out? Tubers. It's time. It's time to plant your spuds. And if you want to know more about it, go to Karen's blog, wigglywigglers.blogspot.com. And it gives you lots of details. And Mary's in the other room and she's writing up an e-news that will go out. So if you want to register for the e-news, go to wigglywigglers.co.uk and press a button under the catalogue somewhere there. It says click to subscribe. So if you'd like to receive our e-news, do that. I read somewhere that in the late 1800s, when there were extremely hard times out in the countryside of Britain, that one of the ways that people ate food and guaranteed food for themselves in the future was that they thick-peeled their seeds, potatoes, ate the middle and planted the peel. Richard still does that. Well, that's probably because he's just (laughs) tight, isn't it? I thought it was quite an ingenious way of carrying on. And that, but it did demonstrate how times have changed. Anyway, the ones that I'm going for this year are salad blues, which uh, I just can't resist them because they're not blue. They're, they're more indigo than the indigo wheat is. Hey, I'm not having any of that. <laughs> anyway, they're purple. That, that rattling sound is Phil fidgeting on his chair. But they were first grown in Scotland in the 1900s and they make a novelty blue mash. And the colour comes from an anthocyanin pigment. And anthocyanins are powerful antioxidants. The skin and the flesh are both a strong, deep blue. So, Hannah is planting some up in the Wiggly Garden as we speak. You can buy them in the grocers in Ludlow and they are absolutely delicious, said Michael. Listen... Richard's not here, so I feel a bit unfair mentioning this, but I just want to moot the topic because you and I, over a honey toasty the other day, were discussing ELS and set-aside. 
run it by me briefly and then we'll get back to this subject when we've got Ricardo on the sofa. Well, briefly, ELS stands for Entry Level Scheme and that's the base standard environmental scheme that the government offer us farmers in England. Set Not in Europe. No, because each country has different versions of the same things. So the ELS has an equivalent in Wales, for example. So in Wales it's called Tier Cunnel. And Snappy. We, we, we've entered the farm in Wales for Tier Cunnel. So How do you spell it? C-Y-N-N-A-L. No, Tier. Tier, T-I-R. Oh. Sorry. I'm not very up on my Welsh language, but anyway. What's it do? Essentially, the idea is that some of the subsidy we receive gets redirected towards environmental-specific schemes rather than just producing food. And that's margins margins around around the fields. Very briefly, the way it works is that you have a, a menu of environmental things that you could do, and they score points and you have to make up a specific number of points, i.e. 12 an acre actually is the figure, to qualify for your money. That reaches the threshold. Now, there are any number of different ways of doing this, but the issue at the moment is that the reports are starting to come back that the environmental benefits are possibly not quite what they thought they were for some of those menu options. And also, the government, having, despite having promised that they wouldn't, have changed the criteria for scoring the points. So you set yourself up to work out how to claim your ELS, but they've moved the goalposts. Just a minute, this is farmers getting money for doing nothing and pretending to be green. No, I think it's governments pretending to be green by paying farmers to do things which are, in some cases, fairly arbitrary. So did you go into the ELS? No, I refused to on principle. But why would you refuse to? Because that would make you greener. Because my (laughs) thinking on... Rather than purpler, like your wheat. My thinking on the environment that my farm is that I should want to preserve it because it's mine and I should take advice from organisations such as FWAG, the Farming and Wildlife Advisory Group, as to how best to do it, and that I should be paid enough for my food that I produce off the rest of the farm to be able to afford to keep the whole thing nice. Well, that's very well and good, but most farmers would not think like that, and they would probably think, actually, it's more cost-effective for me to grow one crop or do one thing intensively, and the environment is not paying its way. So they would receive that money and then that would make a positive impact on the environment because genuinely, otherwise, they wouldn't do that. And that's been the problem for the last 40 years, hasn't it? Probably fair comment, but the ELS payment is £12 an acre. So that if you take land out of production to put it into ELS and receive £12 an acre, that doesn't stack up very well at growing a high-value arable crop on the same acre. So that if the farmer is just doing it for the money... The environment stands no chance that way, but if the farmer makes enough profit to say, it's my farm and I live in it and I want it to be nice for all those reasons, then he will do it for the right reasons and he will target the places that are going to benefit most, not just the places that earn him £12 an acre. Okay, we're going to end this podcast now, but in a sentence, Farmer Phil, what's going to happen next? Because as I understand it... Farmers are now opting out. They're going to leave the environmental scheme on the basis that actually food prices are increasing and that they want to plough up. 
Absolutely. the environmental benefits. Absolutely. When farmers signed up for ELS, you signed up in lumps of five years so that you, you have to, you agree to maintain it for five years. At the end of that five or ten year period, you can opt out. And what will happen is that you will see a number of farmers saying, I can't afford to not cultivate that area or that ground. I'm just going to plough it out. And particularly in the light of reports saying that some of these margins, not all of them, but some of these margins and schemes that score you points have very little environmental value, they'll say, well, what's the point? I'm, you know, there's, there's no issue. I'm going to plough it out. We'll address this more next time because that wasn't one sentence, Farmer Phil. Very sorry. <laughs> in the meantime, if you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, go to iTunes and click on that subscribe button and we will occur onto your iPod or your computer every week for another 117 episodes or whatever it is because our series is 121 episodes as you all are probably aware if you want to go back and listen to previous podcasts you can find them there too or go to our website www.wigglywigglers.co.uk click on podcasts and you'll see there all the podcasts that we've produced along with the subjects and the times so if you just want to go back and listen to a specific topic you can do that in the meantime have a fantastic week have a lovely april hopefully there won't be too many april spring showers and ricardo will be back with us very shortly bye from me bye from me